0: Joining me next, Jocelyn Barnes and Danny Glover from the documentary Soundtrack for a Revolution on the Dusty Wright Show at culturecatch.com. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Sony Pro. For all of your HDNA needs, visit pro.sony.com. Uh, Danny, how did you get involved?
1: I, I, I to, Whatever time that needs to be spent... About how I get involved has to be explained by Jocelyn Barnes. All right, she Jocelyn. Is, she is, she is the she's the engine that runs Blue with Okay. Thank you.
2: Well, well, we uh, Bill and Dan approached us with the project, and uh, both Danny and I had seen Amandla, which um, was mm-hmm. you know the, the film about the music of the South African struggle, the right. anti-apartheid struggle, mm-hmm. um, and so it resonated for us as an idea immediately, and I think we both recognized also the history and power of music in any kind of struggle and certainly uh, thought it was a great idea to use the film to reach a younger generation.
0: That was one of the things that I noticed. I watched it with a couple of our interns and I said, you know, as an old school film person, I had in my mind, like, did I like the music? Did I dislike the music? Was it necessary to tell the story? Because the story is so compelling anyway. And they're like, oh, no. The music was phenomenal. It was the glue that connected it for them. And these are people, young people, that didn't know these stories. They were blown away. And then for me, when Richie Haven's sequence pops up, that just, you know, just this tear stream, You know, that, that montage of the photos, uh, you know, the, the, the police photos of all the, uh, the, the folks involved in the various marches and everything. Danny, this movie, documentaries, as we know, is not like making the standard Hollywood movie. They're really labors of love.
1: Well, it, it has to be, yet we depend so much on on documentaries to record our history and give us a sense of, uh, really, a, a, real, a real sense of inf- uh, how we use information. The power of documentaries is that you can use this information as active citizens, and we would hope that this film would be a, a part of a, a part of that legacy as well. How do young peoples now approach their own history and make their own history by watching and understanding what has happened in the past we don't invent we don't invent the wheel we only add a spoke to it here and a spoke to it there but certainly uh, I'm moved by it and in fact since I'm a child of the civil rights movement, and since these these this music and also these voices are close so close. To the images that I saw and and the images that I wanted to emulate as a child, I wanted to emulate those young people. I wanted to be like they were only a few years older than I was, but I wanted to be like them. You know, I followed them. I followed, followed them the Freedom Rides, and I followed the Snickers who did the sit-ins and everything else. And we would we were in San Francisco now. I'm in San Francisco, and we would kind of cheer them on or find some sort of way in which we, we talked about it. So it became part of our public discourse as well as a kid growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess... You know, we forget that music, before we started
0: paying for it, was the way that people shared information from the traveling bards, you know, yeah. from every historical society. They would tell you the news, or the good news and the bad news. And yeah. this is so in, it's so dynamic. And to have the, the re-records of these songs with the artist you chose, yeah. I think is a powerful statement yeah. onto itself. Yeah. Yeah. This movie... I feel has a really evergreen vibe, which can be difficult for documentaries, that I think we'll be able to revisit this movie in schools, you know, with a younger generation that's coming up behind us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it for you? What's the, mo- what's the most defining aspect for this documentary for you guys? Mm-hmm. Jocelyn?
2: Well, I think that... Um the idea of inspiring a a new generation to you know come out of the theater and really want to take action um for me is the is the real you know as they say the takeaway from the film um i I think you know as you said music was originally the original way of communicating and i think you know Rap music certainly came from street reporting and still does to some extent um, when it's not overproduced. <laughs> so, um, but it, it was a real pleasure to, and, and privilege to meet some of the people involved with the movement um, and to have them also validate the film uh, as something that was authentic and accurate. Uh, I, I sat next to Mr. Harry Belafonte last night at the first uh, public screening of the film, and he actually sang during oh. the film. Which was just amazing, you know. And and to know how involved he was and, and Danny's known him for many years and, and in fact the reason Mr Belafonte got involved with the film was because of Danny. Mm. Um but also because I think he really wanted to see um a new generation touched by the yeah.
1: struggle. You know, one of the beauties about about Harry Belafonte, and and that to we can think of so many things, is that right now he, at this moment, he's working with groups of young people, um, ex-gang members, uh, men and women who've been disenfranchised, ex-members, ex-incarcerated uh, men and women. He's working with them right now. And the one element of his teachings in terms of resistance, what are youth doing, is Dr. King's ideas around nonviolence. Mm. So, I mean, I thought about as, as, as so many things what What does this film mean to the many young people who are out on the street been disenchanted mm-hmm. by what has happened disempowered? What does this film mean to them? You know how does that encourage them encourage them I mean I'm blown away as I sat up there just today and seen on the big screen, and the power it still has on me for more than forty years, almost fifty years after it became part of my life
0: mm-hmm. That's a very good point because we've heard the words we you know they've been. Members, those of us who have a certain age grew up with that. You know, that was part of our civil uh, history growing up. You know, and maybe that got lost somewhere along the way because there's so much information today. But you do you see that again and the impact that it has. Mm -hmm. And you're right we have we have young people today who are there's such a disconnect with their history. But then the other bigger question for me is is how do we those people who are still ignorant who won't go see a movie like that. How do we impact those people? How do we get, you know, how do we submarine them into experiencing something that's profound?
1: Well, we, we, we're having a great opportunity here now for a great, a great many dialogues, you know. Not only the dialogue which should be a continuing dialogue about race and equity and justice, but a dialogue about our environment and how do we protect our environment and how do we, how do we, who are we in the global world? Who are we as human beings, mm. really? And in essence, is that we have an opportunity for that kind of dialogue right now and maybe in, 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 within that. Within that context, within that framework, the issues around the civil rights movement could be framed in such a way that it's all of us embraced. Because all of us is saying struggle for human dignity. Right. All of us saying struggle for human acceptance. That's what it is. Right. That's, that's a very good point, Danny.
2: Yeah, and I think that we try with all of our films um, to not put people on the defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's important if you're going to really address ignorance, especially willful ignorance which, or willful innocence which Americans are famous for internationally, um, I think that it helps to not put people on the defensive, to actually, um, and music is a great you know, bridge builder mm. because everyone understands music right. and is moved by music. Um, so if, if you can reach people that way through art and reconnect people at an emotional level, to have their kind of shared humanity.
0: Oh, absolutely. That, that
2: that immediately overcomes the sort of idea of ignorance mm-hmm. and the idea of bigotry. Right. And helps people get over it in, inside themselves, which is where it has to start.
1: Right? Absolutely. Very yeah. good point. One of the images that stands out, and I remember so vividly, is the image of the white man Who's on, whose head has one leg and his own crutches. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, so yeah. powerful, you know. Right. That one, one little moment. That yeah. one little moment, yeah. man. That one little moment, you know. And and that's what it, I think, the, the process of transformation, I think, for all of us as human beings within this country is we're going through a process now. If this film could be an addition to that process mm. and, and bring you some sort of clarity about. The capacity, who we can be. Mm. This is about who we can be, you right. know. What we've been in the past, we have to understand the past, but certainly we can't belabor what we've been in the past. We need so desperately to figure out what we can be, who we can be to each other right now in the present.
0: And, you know, timing is everything. I mean, we've had to get so base with our lives. We've had to break it all down. We've had to reach the lowest ebb yeah. to climb back up. Yeah. So your timing is impeccable, really, when you think about it getting humanity back to yeah. let's eliminate greed, let's eliminate all these isms that are negative, yeah. let's yeah. focus on the positive isms, you know. Yeah. So, I, you know, as I told Bill and Dan, it's only a matter of time before the White House comes knocking to see the film. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and I didn't know that, yeah, I didn't know that their, their other documentary had been screened by Bush and, and, and the mm-hmm. guys. So mm-hmm. there's a, you know, I would think that once the press gets hold of this, And I didn't see the papers today, so I don't know. I'm sure you got some favorable reviews, or you will tomorrow in any event. But uh, it it really is a powerful, powerful documentary. And as we know, documentaries are so hard to reach a mass audience because there's just so much information out there. But again, such a fine job bridging it with the use of music and the the historical perspective and all these great voices from the past who are still prevalent today. I mean, that was, to stag- see Julian Bond, to see him as a young man, yeah. just to see him marching. Yeah, you know, in a watching. scene, you go, there he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah, was John really... Lewis John, John, John Lewis is another yeah, yeah, one. You go, yeah, you, know. you know, I've heard about John Lewis being in these marches, but wait, yeah, there he is. He is There's there his image. Right there. <laughs> uh, Harry
1: Belafonte the young yeah. man. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Harry <laughs> still looks good, though. Yeah. He, 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 hasn't has changed. Changed. Yeah. he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed, man. Anyway, I want to thank you both for such a wonderful... Movie from the heart, I guess, is what we'd say. Everyone involved, not just the two of you, but everyone who worked on this thing. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I just think that uh, uh, we'll all help to uh, get it into everyone's hands Thank and you. into their, their heads and then ho- their hearts. And
1: in their hearts. It's a privilege to have worked on this movie and, and to be a part of the work that we try to do at Louverture L- L- films, you know. It's just to try to create the other voices and, and, and tell the other stories right. that often go untold and often are dismissed or forgotten. Yeah, thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to part one of my interview with Danny Glover and Jocelyn Barnes, Soundtrack for a Revolution. Joining us next, the writers and directors from that project, Mr. Dan Sturman and Bill Gutentag. Next on the Dusty Wright Show at culturecatch.com. Anyway, gentlemen, congratulations on this. This is a fantastic documentary. (laughs) Thank you. I had an opportunity to... uh, We're going old school here. We did this with Lynch. Lynch was very like, what's up with these old... (laughs) He probably loved it. Yeah. yeah. Um, This movie, obviously, is a labor of love. Uh, You guys are award-winning documentarians. You did uh, not too shabby with your 9-11 Twin Towers Mm -hmm. documentary. Congratulations on that. Nan King did very well. Mm -hmm. And now this, I suspect, will uh, hopefully rival the success... Of those uh, previous, how did you become partners? How did you get involved uh, initially?
3: Um, initially, um, I used to work for ABC News, and Bill was doing a documentary at ABC. Uh, we met uh, 20 years about, uh, yeah, maybe 20 years ago. But uh, we started working together nine years ago. Uh, Bill came up with, a, I think, a great idea for a, a documentary series, which was a real life Law and Order. Um, and sold it to NBC, and uh, he brought me on to uh, work on that project. You guys
0: like the work
3: patterns and, uh,
0: you know, you were able to separate church and state here, but
4: I noticed you both share the tag writer,
0: uh, director and producer. I suspect you're wearing all the hats.
4: Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's the nature of making a film like this. I mean, there's a lot of people work on, certainly Dan and I aren't the only people work on the film. You know, there's, on Nan King, I think we credit, what, 160 people? We probably, have, you know, near that here. So, it takes a lot of work to do a film like this, even as a labor of love. I mean, on this film, you know, take this theme further, you know, we have really well known musicians like Wycliffe Jean and John Legend and The Roots and so on. And it was a labor of love for all of them. I think it's an incredibly important story. I think everyone who gets involved wants to be part of a a larger whole and do some good with the film. The thing that struck me is is why has it taken this long to have a movie
0: about this? Particular subject matter, I guess maybe we've seen the PBS versions of, you know, certain chapters that you guys go over in the film, you know, the March on Selma. uh... Well, you know, I mean, honestly, I
3: I think that, you know, uh, Eyes on the Prize, as far as I'm concerned, is the finest work on the civil rights movement. You know, I just think it's magnificent. Um, And, you know, it's certainly a subject that has been really well covered. I I think what we were trying to do as far as uh, telling the story of the movement through the music was... You know, in a significant way, we were trying to create a film that was dynamic, that had an energy, that would have an appeal to a new generation. Um, you know, Bill uh, showed uh, the film to a, a class full of uh, Stanford students, you know, well-educated kids, and only one of them had ever heard of you know, the beating on you know, Bloody Sunday in, in Selma. That's unbelievable. So you know, yeah. the idea is we're trying to make something that, that can engage a new generation. Now, that's something I was talking to
0: some of our young interns. We were watching the movie, and I said, uh, what do you think of using music to tell the story? Is that, is that a good thing? Because maybe I'm old school, and I was wondering, like, do you need that, those chapter markers to get to the next transition? And they said, oh, no, we loved it, you know, because there was something that touched them. And then for me, seeing the Richie Havens, mm-hmm. you know, that to me just, you know, the floodgates opened for me we're personally.
4: Trying, we're trying. Um, just talking about the music, we're trying to make a film that would be appealing to all group, groups of people. We have Mary Mary, which is a staggeringly large gospel group. We have the Wycliffe Jeans and the Roots and the Richie Havens, who's, you know, old school and wonderful. But we also hope that if you grow up listening to Richie Havens, you also like Wycliffe Jean. When if you uh, you know vice versa. So I'm hoping that uh, that we're hoping that it, it all it's all this kind of large soup that but it's enjoyable. I mean sometimes people think watching a documentary is something they'd rather not do they're forced to do but what we found in showing this film to groups is people love it they love the music and they love the story the story is dynamic it's rich it's thrilling and it changed america and the music was very much a soundtrack to this incredible movement
0: i was curious as to why maybe you didn't incorporate more of rap
3: some of the big rap artists that it didn't it didn't work thematically with some of the music. Well, of the, you you know, know, it's funny. I mean uh, <laughs> we actually uh Corey Smith, who is our music supervisor and who's really well connected in the industry. Most deaf and uh yeah, he used to manage most deaf. Yeah. I mean he basically um you know he he spoke with a number of rap artists and basically he came back to us and he's like, Some of these guys they don't sing, you know? And uh, what we were looking for was people singing songs. Right. Um I mean the roots uh you know uh, Tariq, the, the 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 singer on that song, I mean, he he generally raps. You know, he right. was a little bit hesitant about doing it, but he ultimately was like, you know, he right. he was game for it, and uh, you know, we think he did a wonderful performance.
0: And no, Gil Scott Heron, Dad yeah, just a personal aside. <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's MIA somewhere in Harlem. Last time
0: I heard, anyway. But uh, getting back to the documentary, outside of the music, the footage that you had uh, access to is is quite remarkable. I mean, these are images. I don't think I most people have seen it.
3: Well, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's a subject matter that it has been covered very well in a number of wonderful films. I mean, the goal for us was to try to expand, mm-hmm. you know, beyond what has already been done. Right. And, you know, a significant challenge of that was was trying to get image imagery that, that has not yet been seen. And, I mean, we were fortunate in the sense that, you know, there are, I, there are new images that are sort of constantly popping up. I mean, there's a, there's a mugshot of Martin Luther King and a mugshot of Rosa Parks. Um, these apparently came from some Montgomery policeman who died a few years ago, and in his footlocker they found these uh, mugshots. You know, Unbelievable. Um, you know there's uh, a lawsuit uh, where we, uh, you know, uncovered uh, all these photos of this bus that was attacked in Anniston, Alabama. That um, it was these photos have been sitting in a law office for 30 plus years, and finally, you know, we were able to access them. Um, so yeah, I mean, as much as possible, we were trying to add to rather than repeat what has been done in the past.
0: Did you guys go in with a strict script? I know sometimes with documentaries it's hard to,
4: you don't know where your source material might end, end up. And That's a really good question. I think Dan and I had an outline that we wanted. We had certain things within the civil rights movement we had to cover. We would be remiss in our responsibility. So if you take the bridge at Selma, you know, we would look at a scene like that and say, okay, who's the best person to tell? And we have the person telling the story, which is uh, Congressman John Lewis, who was... Right the first person you know in the line who is who is attacked. And then you say, okay, well, that's the perfect person. Well, how about someone you never heard of? Mm-hmm. How about someone who was just a kid who got attacked? And we go looking for that sort of thing. And I think it's fair to say we did that throughout the film. You look for the best people to tell the story in a compelling way. And what we hope for is people who will connect to an audience. And I know that while we're doing the film, when Dan or myself would be doing the interviews... You know, sometimes someone's telling you the story, and you get very emotional when you start hearing that story, and you're saying, well, gee, if I'm pretty emotional now, I hope that that will translate to an audience sitting in a theater feeling equally emotional, and that's part of our goal. Well, absolutely does. Um, you know, the scene, again, using Richie Havens, that
0: moment, and using all of those uh, police shots as mug shots in a very clever transition in how you layered that, Talk about that sequence. That
4: was really well edited. Well, it's really interesting that we're trying to do... I, I think, as Dan suggested, the story's been told before and very well, but we're trying to tell it in an innovative way using the music. And one of the things that's really come along is it's pretty cheap to do really great effects on things. And the sequence you're talking about is... One guy in his 20s with a laptop computer. I mean, it took him a while to right. do it, but it's a guy on a computer. And then what's really magical is you work, look at it and he shows it to you. And I mean, he was great, but, you know, Dan and I said, oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? We make some corrections or suggestions, and it comes back to us. But really, it's a guy with a computer. And then cut 2 you're watching in a theater, and it's just amazing. It's a magical how, scene. It's yeah. a magic and how beautiful yeah. it is. But, you know, when we were coming up, the idea that you could have this incredible sequence done by a guy on a laptop, you know, <laughs> it, it seems like just unattainable. And I think that we are definitely the beneficiaries of the technology that's come forward and also the talent. I mean, this is going back the same way. This guy who did it, St. Jerome Oliver, he's just a super talented guy who we were lucky to work with. The same way we're lucky to work with The Roots, we're also lucky to work with people who can help us do this beautiful stuff. And I like the fact that you went old school with the studio
0: setting. You know you're using all this wonderful digital technology that affords you this freedom. This, it's not cost prohibitive, it's easy entry. And then we see this great old wooden studio with the old, you know, expensive mics and organic, real instruments, real drums, bass, guitar. I thought really, I thought added a tremendous impact to that music being. Reenacted because we're hearing those old recordings some of which I I don't know what the source material was but they were incredible right. probably off of cassette recorders or what you know old Ampex Ampex reel to reels or something
3: yeah. I mean the yeah the field recordings were done primarily with a Nagra uh-huh. um you know 1963 64 right. um and those you know, I mean, 45 years later, it's, I, they capture this incredible energy. Unbelievable. But, um, you know, I mean, certainly the way we filmed, our end goal was really just not to take away from the music. I mean, the music is just so fantastic. I mean, really, uh, the film, I mean, it is a history film, but I think, you know, more than anything, it's a celebration of this incredible body of music. And uh, to the extent that we were able to take that music and then have it performed by some really top musicians who could elevate it even more... Um, you know, obviously, that was the, that was really the, the goal for us, in the, and it was really thrilling to, to be there for those performances.
0: Right? Uh, was it difficult to whittle down the list? I'm sure you must have had more artists than you possibly could have fit in the movie.
3: Well, you know, Corey Smith. Um, he, it was, you know, it, it was. A, I think we talked about this at the very beginning. It's you know, any film is a collaborative effort. You know, you talk to a novelist. You know, that guy wrote the book. You know, um, for us, it's we're working with a lot of people. And um, it really was about trying to figure out for each song, you know, which artist might be, you know, which artists might, you know, lend themselves to uh, doing a nice performance of it. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I liked were the chapter marks. You know, you took yeah. each major movement,
0: a uh, bad headline, basically, used that to frame your story. Uh, what are there eight chapter marks leading uh, with the count, the luncheon, uh, yeah, the, sit-ins to right, the assassination right. of King? And then the journey along the way and the music then you, is the touch point or the segue right. to really impact. I thought that was really, really nicely done. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Uh, was that a happy accident or something you outlined? You know, honestly, it's, um, it's just it's a process. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, we edited the film for five or six months and it's just sort of... It's, I mean, a lot of the creativity that comes in documentary is not when you're in the field. You know, it's when you sit in the edit room with... You know, hundreds of hours of footage, and try to shape it into a narrative that, that you know resonates with people, and you know is distilled down.
4: You know? Yeah, I think so. That's sort of the uh, the good news and bad news about documentaries. We would come back with, you know, interviews that range from, I guess, the shortest would be an hour, and the longest would be three hours. And we would, you have so many choices to choose from. And in this day and age, again, with the technology, there's so many things that you can do in a graphically interesting way that you sit there, it's part of what you're doing. You're trying to shape a story that's compelling to an audience that may not be aware of the story. On the other hand, you also want to appeal to people who do know the story, so you're trying to come up with the appropriate balance. And then how do you weave the music? In some ways, that was, I think, the trickiest thing in this film, that we knew from the day we started production that it would be a weave. But what is a weave that enhances a story, and what's a weave that distracts? And I think... You know, some of it's like, you know, they say about pornography, you know, in the legal sense, I know it when I see it. Right. But the Supreme Court said, I think that's kind of what Dan and I did. We sat in an editing room yeah. and there were times when it was pretty magical right from the beginning and there were times that it wasn't. And then you go back and you say, well, why isn't this quite working? You try to get it to work. You know, and I think that's for people listening at home that don't know the
0: craft. Documentary films, and I'm glad you touched on that. It's incredibly difficult to Cobble together, a narrative that can impact when you have so much source material. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of hours. And I've heard this from other documentarians. Yeah, yeah you
4: know, uh, quantity is not synonymous with quality. <laughs> but one of the things that we found on this film, and, and honestly in the film we did on Nan King as well, is there were so many great stories. And then that, when that happens, you feel like, okay, you're in a good position. Someone's going to tell the story of the bridge at Selma. Who's going to tell it? Who's going to tell which part of it? And how does it intersect with the stock footage? And also, how does it intersect with the music? And, look, it, it's it's not like we're the only people who can do this. You, the film reflects our taste, but also reflects, you know, the great collaboration we have with all the people that works on the film. Have you sent a copy to the White House yet? <laughs> look, we would be flattered if the White House was interested in, in showing the film. I mean, this is, obviously, there's a direct line between the bridge at Selma and, you know, the fact that we have a historic situation with the African-American president.
0: So nobody's pushing it, or it's going to be organically delivered?
3: Oh, you know, I mean, honestly, we actually have a couple people who are super enthusiastic about the film who've been saying, yeah, you yeah. should you should get this to Obama. So, I right. mean, you know, I, I, we the World Trade Center film that we had uh, screened at the White House uh, in front of George W. And, right. you know, Rumsfeld was there, and that was, you know, a really thrilling experience, and I think it would be exponentially more thrilling to be in a White House where we actually like the president.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think it'll probably get screened. I think it's safe to say once the press starts picking up on it. And you had your uh, premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. so yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't see the papers today. Were there any reviews yet?
3: I, I understand that the reviews so far have been uniformly positive. <laughs> because my father saw it and he liked it. Oh, but I don't yeah. know about the papers. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: all the family. The yeah. family will love it <laughs> thicker than man. I right. love it. Do you guys have anything you'd like to add as, you know, other than we want people to see it, and we know how difficult, I think this is the other thing we should share. People just assume that movies make money. Documentary movies notoriously are slow to get return on the investment, so, you know.
3: Do you want to talk about the charity? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's I mean, a charity actually, attention. Our, well, I, um, in fact, um, proceeds from the film, you know, almost half of them are earmarked to go to charity, specifically in part the Jazz Foundation. Um, Great. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously our end goal is that as many people as possible can see it. We think it's an inspiring film, and, uh, you know, we hope it inspires people who see it.
0: I think they will. Dan and Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. You, you. you know, I, I, we hope to uh, see you at the award ceremonies at the end of the year. <laughs> okay,
2: well, thanks so much <laughs> yeah. for having
0: me. cool. All right. Thanks. Dusty Wright with a culture catch. Thanks. We'll see you soon. I'd like to thank my guests from Soundtrack for a Revolution. And I'd like to thank my editor for today's show, Gwyneth Abels. If you like my programming, you'll love our website, culturecatch.com. Everything in smart culture in films, music, theater, literature, and art. This is Dusty Wright for The Dusty Wright Show. Converge is the word. Influencing the influencers. Smart culture. Culturecatch.com.